Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph. Thank you, Lord. It's such a joy to see so many of our minister friends from all over the country and other countries. I know it's, uh, it's an effort to come, but your presence and your faith adds to the meeting. Everybody and all of our partners and friends, it really does. It makes a difference. No two services are alike. It's a different group of human spirits and anointings and faith. So this is unique, right? Among everything we will ever do, there'll never be another one just like this one. And uh, when we gather like this, the Lord says things and does things. He does, and the scripture says what he does is forever. I'm convinced that past this life, there'll be numerous times throughout the ages, we'll say, you remember that meeting? Yeah. <laughs> now, we won't be thinking about any bad things that happened, but because when God speaks to you and, and words and revelation go into your spirit, it doesn't end with this life. It goes on because his word, heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will never pass away and it'll start developing in us. It'll still be developing ages from now. So we're in a good spot, you and I. Would you look with me in the book of Romans, the first chapter? Oh, hallelujah. I'm excited. <laughs> Romans, the first chapter, and the, uh, the eighth verse. Romans 1, 8. He said, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. You know, Paul was big on faith. Because God is big on faith. He said uh, in verse 11, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift. To the end you may be established. Just like we were talking about these meetings, those meetings, these meetings, all real meetings where God's involved. Divine impartations occur. And it doesn't have to be with laying on of hands. That's just one way that the Lord imparts things. But impartation comes by the Spirit. He said, uh, verse 12, that is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith. So he's still talking about faith. Mutual faith both of you and me. Verse 15, please. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. How many think he wasn't exaggerating? Think Paul was ready to preach to him? Oh yeah. <laughs> For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. The good news of Christ. This is a key 
for being effective. You must not be, we must not be half persuaded. We must not be vacillating. We must not be timid. We must be bold. Right? Can you hear boldness here? Paul saying the Spirit of God through him. I'm not ashamed of what I preach. Now, some people have heard about boldness and they've gone to pushing in the flesh. And that's not boldness. We've all been around situations where somebody became demanding and pushy in the name of boldness and it was just awkward and uncomfortable. And it wasn't God. No, being bold is the result of being sure. <laughs> being sure. If you know something, you uh, don't, you know, amble around about it. You, if you know it, you don't say, well, could be this. And could, no, no, you know it. No, everybody say no, no, no. He said, I'm not ashamed of the good news of Christ. He didn't say because it could be the power of God. To sal- it, is. it is. Everybody say it is. It, it is, is the power of God to salvation to everyone that believes. Is this bold? No ambiguity. No vacillation. No halting between two opinions. It is. It is. The good news is. Hallelujah. The power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first, also to the Greek. Verse 17, for therein, in the good news, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. The quote is, by his faith. You'll find this phrase more than once in the word. But this is our text, I believe, for the week. Unless the Lord says different. You know, when I first started preaching, I, <laughs> what are y'all laughing about? I would say, this is not my message, but. Y'all ever said that? Yes, but this is not my message, but. And I guess I said it too many times for the Lord's preference. He said, Keith, if I say that's your message, that's your message. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't need to keep saying that because it can change right if we're not running this it can change but verse 17 what did it say therein in the gospel in the good news is the righteousness of God revealed everybody say revealed, revealed. and it's revealed how from faith to faith say that phrase revealed From faith to faith. Say it with me. Revealed from faith to faith. Another couple of times. Revealed from faith to faith. Revealed from faith to faith. Is there a connection between revelation and faith? They are inseparable. They are inseparable. And uh, it's 
This is, I won't try to tell you I understand all this. This is bigger than I understand. But I see it working both directions. That revelation allows faith. And that faith receives more revelation. I see a cycle that doesn't stay on a level, but goes up to another level. To another level. Revelation and faith. Hallelujah. The righteousness of God is revealed in this gospel from faith to faith. Psalm 89, 19, don't turn there, but they'll put it on the screen for us. Psalm 89, 19 said, you spoke in vision to your Holy One. And uh, I've never thought this before, but as I was considering these things, I realized, you know, what, what language does God speak? His main language is vision. There are all manner of tongues of men and even tongues of angels, but all of those languages mean nothing unless an image is produced. They're meaningless unless an image is produced. If I say dog and you don't speak English, you don't see a four-legged furry. You just hear the sound dog, but it means nothing to you because you didn't see anything. And even God's words in English, Chinese, Aramaic, Hebrew, Greek, they don't affect you to faith unless you see something. You got to see something for there to be faith. Hallelujah. Y'all believing with me on this, right? Because uh, some of these things we never taught exactly like this, but I can see it. Did you hear that phrase? <laughs> I can what? Do you see it? What we're talking about here about the what? What do you mean? What do you see? How did you see it? Just the words that we've said and heard so far, you see something. And that's also, this is uh, Romans 1, just a few chapters later in 10, 17 is when it said, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Why? Because when you hear, you see. God speaks, look at that phrase again. Psalm 89, 19, you spoke in vision to your saint, your holy one. You spoke in vision. My, my, my. Oh, somebody say glory to God. He speaks in vision. Psalm 119, 130. A lot of you know it, but let's, uh, you know, just because you've eaten some good food before doesn't mean you won't eat it again. What you ate last month is not quickening you today. You need to eat it again. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Here he says, the entrance of thy words does what? 
gives light. Well, how does his words get in you? Words. How do words get in you? You hear them. You hear them. But unless the sounds are producing images, it's meaningless sound. Like a language you don't understand. But when you understand God's words, contain whatever natural language they come to you in that you understand, it's not just a series of letters from the alphabet grouped together to form an identifiable word. His words contain his thoughts. And his thoughts are high. Hallelujah. They are high. And they are holy. And they are power. Hallelujah. And when his anointed words come to you and you hear them, they produce the imagery the images of his thoughts. Hallelujah. And when this comes to you, it releases light, not just natural light, the light that God is. It releases light inside you, and you can see. And I'm doing my best not to get ahead of myself. (laughs) But I'll go ahead and say it. These power words and images have the ability to reproduce themselves so that if you can see it, you can be it. Oh, somebody say glory to God. I'm quoting from 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm just saying it a different way. If you can see it, if you can see you having it, you can have it. It becomes possible to you as a believer. We're going to have some fun. We're going If you can see you doing it, then it becomes possible. For you to do it. If you can see you giving it. Sowing it. It becomes possible. But if you can't see it. You can't do it. Are y'all with me? If you can't see it. It's not possible for you. Because you don't believe it. Believing, you know, you, it's just like so many things. The enemy tried to twist it around and make it something. He said, seeing is believing. <laughs> but it's the other way around. The psalmist said, I, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Hallelujah. And all this goodness is in the gospel, the good news, and all the righteousness and goodness of God is in the gospel, and it's revealed. How? How's it revealed? 
That's our text just a couple of moments ago. From faith to faith it is revealed. Revealed. Oh, somebody say revealed. Go with me to, to Mark 9, please. The more I see this, there it is again, see? The more it opens up to me passages of Scripture that I've known for some time. I'm seeing more of it. It opens it up more to me. And and this is an example right here in Mark 9. Mark 9 begins with a vision. A vision of the glorified Christ. That's what leads up to the verses we're about to read. They saw Jesus glorified. They saw visitors that hadn't been on the earth for a long time. Peter wanted to do something and say something, but what do you say? This is unprecedented experience. He said, we can build some tabernacles, Lord. We'll build one for you, too. And um, that probably wasn't the best thing to say. That's when the voice came and said, this, not the other guys, this is my beloved son. And him, all the focus is on him, not the other guys. Him I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Hear him. Listen to him. So they have seen things they've never seen before. They heard a voice out of heaven hearing and seeing things they've never heard and seen before. And when they came down from the mount, a situation had developed. And there was a bit of an uproar in the crowd. And it was because of a man who had his son who was having seizures. It was a bad, bad way. And he had heard about people being delivered and healed through Jesus and, and his disciples. And so he brought his son. Well Jesus wasn't there. And Peter, James and John wasn't there. They're up on the mount. But the other guys are there. So he takes the son to them. And they did. All the things they had done before. They rebuked. They bound. They cast out. They loosed. <laughs> and nothing happened. The boy did not get set free. So that was obviously very disheartening to the father. And it was disheartening to the disciples as well. Because we read in Matthew 17 as well as here that they came to the Lord afterwards and said, uh, what happened with us? Why couldn't we get him, get him cast out? Why couldn't we get him set free? In Matthew 17, he, he said right off the bat, because of your unbelief. Because of your unbelief. And we'll see how that's connected to what we just got through seeing. In the text, in Mark 9, it says, uh, verse 22, when Jesus came down, people saw him, they came right out of the glory. And I'm sure, even though they weren't seeing in the spirit, 
something's remarkable is about him. And there is this, this lingering glory on them as they came down into the crowd. And the whole crowd just ran to them. And the father came. Because Jesus asked what's going on. And he's telling them about his son that has all these terrible seizures and problems. He said oft times it's cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if you can do anything. Who's he talking to? Head of the church. Jesus. If you can do anything. Have compassion on us and help us. Now let me stop right here. Can this father at this point, does he see his boy getting free? Does he see that? He does not. He's wishing, wanting, needing, right? There's grief, there's fear, there's desperation, confusion. Why? Because he just saw these other guys. Pray over him, rebuke, bind, loose. And if he had had some hope built up prior to that, those hopes were dashed. So does he see them going home with the boy free and well? He doesn't see it. And this is the big problem. That is the giant problem. Because just because you make confessions doesn't mean you see it yet. Now it's the good and right thing to do because when you're saying it, you're also hearing it. And his anointed words will produce the image of victory for you and healing if you'll receive it. But the enemy has observed this principle for eons and he knows how it works and he is practicing the same principle with dark words and images of failure and fear and defeat and most people on the planet they have only had those images fed to them year after year after decade after decade until a stronghold of an image of failure and defeat is established in them. And just because you went to one service and heard a good message and said hallelujah, amen, and took a page of notes, doesn't mean that image is automatically gone. It could be, but oftentimes... Human beings are such creatures of habit. It's so easy to slide back into those same thoughts, those same words. So the problem is the father does not see the boy getting set free. And so he says, okay, you're the boss. If you can do something, if you can Is he persuaded of anything? No, he's not. He's wishing. He's what we'd say hoping, but it's not even Bible hope. Needing, wishing, wanting, desperation, 
Even though you sprinkle a few good confessions on top of that, it's still not faith. And this is what's been confusing to people. Because they hear people making confessions. And think, well, they're, they're faith people. They may not be in faith at all. Even though they quoted 30 good scriptures while you were there. Because what do they see on the inside? And what do you know of what they see on the inside? I learned this in the first, I guess the first year of our ministry. That we were in the ministry full time. This had been back in 81 1981. I had had an uncle who had uh, lung cancer. And he was in the last stages of it. They said there's no treatment. He, he'd become bedfast, couldn't work, all that. Well, we, we had not gone to Rhema at that time, but we'd gotten a hold of some really good faith things from the Copelands and Savelles and, and Brother Hagen. And, and um, We'd gotten stirred up that, you know, you could receive healing. And so we drove down to uh, visit my uncle. He's bedfast at the home. They're just waiting for him to die. And uh, we shared some things with him and had prayed before we went. He was bedfast. So after we talked to him in the bedroom for a while, we came to the kitchen. And uh, the family is just crying and, and broken and and we heard a noise, we looked up, and he had gotten up out of the bed and came to the doorway and was holding onto the doorway. And what was the exact words he said? He, I'm, I'm not going to die. That's what he said. I'm not going to die. Well, me and Phyllis shouted. <laughs> Glory to God. And all of them just broke out crying. They said, you know, it's gone to his head. He's, he just. <laughs> and uh, some of his confessions weren't very good. And it was a lot of future tense. And of course, back then we had learned, you know, call those things be not as though they were. And so I was thinking, boy, you know, his confession ain't perfect, but that sure is better than just laying in the bed, right? I mean, he says, I'm not going to die. Well, over the course of the next three months, he got better and better, and better, and better, and was given a clean bill of health, went back to work, lived for years. Oh, somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. I mean, he, he had to be days away from death. People wouldn't have been shocked if he'd have died that day. Well, a couple of years passed. And another uncle on the other side of the family had lung cancer. Well, we thought, hey, we've been here before. We lived closer to them and had a couple of years of more word under our belt. So we went over to visit, sat down by his bedside and, and talked to him about it. And, and uh, he made some really good confessions and got worse. And worse, and died. I thought, man. So, we went to the funeral. 
And I know that it was the Lord letting me hear it, but I wasn't trying to eavesdrop, but somebody's talking pretty loud right by me. And they described how that, and I realized it was the very day I was there that when I left, he called the men and picked his funeral songs. And they made all the plans for, well, does he see himself living? No. No. Come on, can you see what I'm talking about here? See, the other guy, I didn't realize it till later, but something happened in him. And when he walked out there and held on to that door facing, he said, I'm not going to die. Those are not empty words. He could see himself. Oh, come on. He could see himself living. And he did. Woo, glory to God. And the other uncle, even though he made better confessions, technically, he doesn't see himself coming off of that. He doesn't see that. And so the faith was not there. You can't separate faith from vision. God speaks in vision. Oh, hallelujah. His words contain his thoughts. And his thoughts are light and they are life. Oh, hallelujah. And when you receive them, the entrance of his word gives light. Light goes off on the inside of you. I remember Brother Hagin talking about that. When he was on the bed paralyzed as a teenager. And he said he, he found, you know, Mark 11, 23 and 24. And he found where the woman with the issue of blood, her faith made her whole. And he wanted to, he'd never seen that or heard that preached. And, and he, he wanted to ask his pastor about that. And, and he kept sending word for his pastor to come, pastor to come, because he wants to go to that verse and say, what about this? That we, you know, I could believe this. And uh, finally, one, one of the ministers came, but on that day, he was so paralyzed, he couldn't talk. All he could do was make sounds and try to point. And, and that's the time, those of you that know his testimony, that uh, the pastor took his hand. And patted it. And said just be patient my boy. In a few more days. It will all be over. Now you know. No need judging the man. If he didn't see it. Right. How can you minister light. That you don't see. And any light we do have. Not that long ago. We didn't see it. But. Listen to Brother Hagin's words. He said, when the man left, he said it was dark in that room. Dark. Why? Because what little light he had had, he let somebody extinguish. So he said it was dark. So basically just for days, he just lay there and waited to die. Can you see where the real battle's going on? The real battle. People have talked about spiritual warfare, and it's real. But it's not what some have imagined it to be. The battle is over light. The battle is light versus darkness. And the thing is, darkness has no power over light. 
Hallelujah. The light has come into the world. And darkness did not, cannot comprehend or overtake it. Cannot. You've never walked into a dark room, flipped on the light switch, and watched the darkness roll about halfway back. (laughs) And then an ensuing struggle until either the light or the dark won. No, and you never will. Because the only place darkness can flourish is where there is no light. If If your eyes were opened... And you could see in the spirit and look around this auditorium. It's full of beings of light. I'm talking about you. There are also ministering spirits. They're beings of light. But you are, having been born of God, you are born of the light. You're a child of the light. You are a being of light. Woo! Now here's the thing. Some are brighter than others. This is a fact. It's just a fact. Some lights are brighter than others. And this will be true past the resurrection. The Bible says that in the resurrection, in the glory, we'll differ in glory like the stars do. Well, some stars are brighter than others. It's good to be bright. Period. Right? It's even better to be brighter. And here's the good thing. You you have a lot to do with how bright that light is. Didn't Jesus say, let your light so shine. So that little song they, they taught in, heal, in, in healing school, uh, Sunday school was a good song. I'm going to let my little light shine, but we can go ahead and leave off that little. I'm going to let my bright light shine. Hallelujah. And all this light is not self-produced. We're like the moon and the sun. (laughs) The moon's not producing the light. It's receiving the light and reflecting the light. That's me, that's you. It's in us, it's internally in us too. We're children of light, but it's coming from him. Oh, somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. What's the problem with this man who says, Lord, if you can do anything, tell me what what has to happen for there to be a miracle here. What has to happen? And see, how many years... Has this boy been like this? We, we see it's been a while. And so you got to watch about that because that, that image of what you've been living is imprinted on the inside of you. And if it's happened for the last 10 years, 8 years, 20 years, then what's your likely expectation of the next year? More of the same. And the challenge 
is to change that image. Change what you're seeing by what you're hearing. Hallelujah. You know, the Lord talked about this more than once. You know, he or him that has ears to hear. So you can hear and get no image. That's what he's talking about. You can hear words, sounds can come to you and bounce off your eardrum and your mind can even understand what the sounds mean and yet not see what God is is revealing. That has to do with the heart. A willing heart. A choice to believe before you even hear it. Because if it's God talking... I already believe it and I hadn't even heard it. Why? Because he's right. He's right about everything. He's right all the time. Yeah, but he hasn't said it yet. Yeah, but it's right. You just watch and see. When he says it, it'll be right. Whether I understand it, it's right. If I don't understand it, it's still right. If I thought that was right or I didn't think it was right, he's right. And I'm making a choice. I receive whatever he said. Whatever he says, I receive it. That condition of heart can help make my ear a hearing ear. But if you got attitude and you want to, you know, examine God by your little intellect to see if he's right or wrong, then your ears are dull of hearing. Your eyes, you have closed, lest you see and hear and be converted and be healed. The verse says. So what needs to happen. Is that this man. Needs to see this differently. He's got to see something. He has not been able to see. And when he says. Look at it again Mark 9. When he says Lord. If you can do anything. Have compassion on us. And help us. Jesus said to him. I'll take care of it. Mm -mm. No. The man, since this is his son, his faith is the, the affecting factor. And something has to happen with his faith or the Lord wouldn't have said it this way. Would he? If is what? It's a condition. In other words, Depending on what you do with what I'm telling you right now, it'll go this way or it'll go this way. If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Now when he says if you can believe, the man knows what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. Believe what? Believe that your boy can be completely free and not have these seizures anymore. And be healed. And live a normal life. How many believe when the Lord says this. There's power in what he's saying. For this man to see it. And this. This is where the battle is fought. You remember when. uh, The leader of the synagogue's daughter was sick. And they had sent word. and, And then she had died. And, and they came and said, don't bother the master any further. What did the Lord do? Immediately, 
He looks at him and he says, fear not, only believe, and she'll live. She'll do what? She'll what? Now, when the man came to him, he basically said that, if you'll come, she'll live. And the Lord said, okay, let's go. So what are they seeing? Why are they going? See, he doesn't know all the details, but here the man is believing that when they get there, something's going to happen, and the person will be healed and live. He's seeing something. Oh, come on, can you see this? In the great healing crusades of old, Brother Oral Roberts and Jack Coe and A.A. Allen and and all those guys, you'll see that the people they would gravitate to are the the lame people who brought a new pair of shoes. What do you mean? What do you need that new pair of shoes for? When they look at them, now you could just bring a new pair of shoes because you saw somebody else do it, and you could tell by the look on your face that you don't think you're going to need them. But when you look into somebody sitting there, wired with the new shoes, what do you know? They are seeing something. They are seeing already. They're seeing something in them. I'm going to put these shoes on. I'm going to run around this place. That's when you see the miracle. Oh, somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Not just a matter of making confessions. What do you see? What are you seeing? What are you seeing? Hallelujah. (laughs) What are you seeing? What are you seeing? Here, this man says, if you can help. He's not seeing it. Jesus said, if you can believe. Now, he he didn't have to say anything else. Why is the man there? What is the situation? If you can believe what? He don't have to fill in the blanks. Why is the man there? If you can believe what? If you can believe your boy can be delivered and healed and restored. What's another way of saying it? If you can see it. If you can see this, all things are possible to him that can see it. Can you see this? All things are possible to him that believes. Believes what? Believes it can happen. Well, if you believe it can happen, you can see. You can see, you don't have to have all the details, but you can see it happening. You can see it happening. You can see it. And we need to understand how this spiritual warfare works. Be honest with ourselves. If you don't see it, you don't see it. And we've had a big problem in our circles with people not seeing it. But then just making random confessions month after month and year after and don't see it and don't receive it either. If you don't see it, you don't see it. No condemnation. 
But don't pretend like you do. There's a phrase I don't care for. Fake it till you make it. It's a worldly phrase. We don't want to be saying that. We're not faking anything. There's nothing fake in God. If you don't see it, you don't see it. You don't pretend like you see it. You do what you need to so you see it. You get around the right influences. You get in the right meetings. You, you listen to the right things. You read the right books. And meditate. I done got ahead of myself again. You, you meditate. The purpose of meditation is to produce vision. It works in the dark. It works in the light. If the enemy can get you to meditate on bad stuff, an image of darkness, failure, will be developed in you. And all he's doing is using the creative power of your spirit against yourself. He's not a creator. He's not, he's not all the powerful he cracks himself up to be. He is a brought to naught, stripped under your feet, folks. Eternally defeated one. But he's been fooling human beings for millennia. And he's really good at it. And he knows the power of words and thoughts and images. We've been talking about it, but look at it in the scriptures here in uh, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. The scripture says, 2 Corinthians 4.18, just prior to this, we don't look at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. In, in the faith fight, it doesn't matter what you see out here. And that's a tough thing for the flesh. Because, you know, it, it tends to want to keep gravitating, keep gravitating to what you see here. This already is. We believe in the power of God that changes what is. And I can't get something wrong out here changed by just looking at how it is. And focusing on how it is. That's why my, my war. Is not in the flesh. The Bible said Abraham. Considered not. His own body. Now dead. Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. We've got to tear. Our mind away. From the problems. We see and feel. In the flesh. Because. If we're seeing the same thing on the inside that we see on the outside, there will be no change. No change. I want to say that again. If we're seeing the same thing on the inside that we're seeing on the outside, there will be no change. No change. We're allowing the outer image to imprint us on the inside. Oh, but the Word of God 
Our weapons are, they're not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. What's an, what's an imagination? It's a picture, but it's a bad picture. It's a picture that was produced with bad words. But the in, this is what the warfare is all about. is the enemy getting that picture inside us and keeping that picture inside us because he knows we'll conform to that. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and the thoughts the words I should say contain the thoughts so bad words have bad thoughts it'll produce a bad image good words have good thoughts the words of God have the anointed thoughts of God and through Hearing and meditating his words, he reveals from the good news. Oh, come on, can you see this? Not how you're, how weak and sinful you're feeling or how a failure you're feeling or what you look or think you look like. He reveals to you who you are in Christ Jesus. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. But here's the big question. Do you see yourself. <laughs> that way. You can confess that. You know. 500 times a week. It doesn't necessarily mean. You see yourself. That way. If Ellis and I have talked about this. <laughs> you know we, we. We're big. Believers in. In Raymond, Raymond Bible Training Center, where we got our training, and, and and this whole, all the ministries that preach and teach the, this message of faith and authority. But we we see the further we go, you could go to Raymond for two years. We did. That does not automatically change everything you thought and felt and believed for the previous thirty years. <laughs> And I think some people have thought so. You, you passed the test and you got the diploma and wore the outfit and walked across. And so glory to God, you are a new creation. And you have been made a new creation. But how many understand after you've been born again, it says don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? By the renewing of your mind. And he's writing to Christians, to the saints at Rome. He's writing to Christians. What's, what's he saying? To the saints at Ephesus. He says, put off the old man. Put on the new man. Why you got to say that? It's amazing and not in a good way. That people can go to a good faith church. They can be in a thousand good faith meetings. And a little pressure come on them. And the junk they believed 40 years ago come spewing out of their mouth. 
Have you seen it or not? Yes. 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 Why? Well, just because you, you bought the book and played the CD and went to the meeting doesn't automatically mean that the image changed on the inside of you and that you no longer see yourself that way. You actually see, and, and it's, it's not a, just a mystical thing. When you see yourself differently, you act differently. You talk differently. You react differently. You respond differently. Now, none of us have arrived at Christ-like perfection, but that's what the gifts are given to us. For remember in Ephesians, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we come to this full measure. This full developed. Like the Christ. How many understand when Jesus walked the earth. He walked in power. He walked in authority. Didn't he? Why? Because he knew who he was. He saw himself. In a position of dominion. Is that right? Over every evil spirit? Don't you stop right there. Didn't he turn around and delegate this to the 12 and to the 70? And guess who else? Us. But that doesn't mean you see it that way. And you know, in the temptation, that's what the enemy kept trying to challenge. If you're the son of God. Well, he is the son of God. That has a whole bunch of other connotations. If you, are you, are you not? Can you, can you not? Trying to get some kind of ambiguity. And even in the very beginning, with Adam and Eve, listen to the language. You, you, you won't surely die. But the Lord knows your eyes will be opened. Friends, reason why television is so popular. Movies, video, audio, we are creatures that live on vision. We are hungry to see. Because we have the capacity of receiving a vision and having it produced. It's a godlike quality. Where did the heavens and earth come from? Somebody said God spoke it in existence. Yeah, but what happened before that? (laughs) And why did it turn out just like that? Because somebody saw it just like that. Oh, come on, can you see that? Had that image. Why do we look like we do instead of four arms and three legs? Five eyes. You laugh, but he could have made us any variation. Why? He saw you. He saw. He conceived it inside. He had that image. He had that vision inside himself. Whatever alterations or changes needed to be made, it was perfect. And then he released it through his words. He spoke, the psalmist said, and it was done. 
And you and I have been created in his likeness and image. And are encouraged to be imitators of God as dear children. And we've learned a few things about the saying part. I think we need to know more about the seeing part. What do you think? Because they are inseparable. Not that we need to let go of the saying part. Fifty years, some fifty years after the Lord through Brother Hagin's ministry and others introduced this to, we are still woefully deficient in the saying part. Don't think we're too much of that. No. Oh, dear me. The way so many folks talking. We've all said stuff we shouldn't have said. But it's not just saying it that makes it come to pass. Mark 11, 23. Let me put it on the screen. You already know all there is to know about this. Mark 11, 23. Put it on the screen. What did Jesus say? Whosoever shall what? Say. say to this mountain, be removed and be thou cast into the sea, it'll happen. It'll happen. Because he said it. No. And again, this is where there's been a lot of confusion. Well, I said it, I said it, I said it. That's not the whole verse. You say it? And what else? What did Jesus say? Shall not doubt in his heart. Well, what, what's that like? What do you mean? Shall not doubt in his heart. This has to do with your vision, what you see happening. If you're going to say, mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. This is how God operates. Did you hear that little word, be, be, be? That's how God operates. Light, be. That's what he's telling you to do. Mountain, be removed. Be cast into the sea. What else has got to happen though? You got to see it happening on the inside of you. Come on, can you see this? You got to see it happening when you say it, before you say it, and as you say it, and after you say it. You got to see it happen. What, what else does that mean? Don't doubt in your heart. Doubt has to do with duo, wavering, halting between two minds. Do I see it happening? Yeah, maybe it will. Yeah, I think it will. No, you're duoing. You're doubting in your heart. So you're not doing this verse. Now here's some good news. You needed some right now. Hold your place there. And let me read the rest of what happened with this man with the son. What did he say? Well, you can put that on the screen too, excuse me. 923, if you can believe, if you can see it, all things are possible to him that sees it, believes it. Straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears. What did he say? What's another way of saying that? (laughs) See what? I I can see my boy. I, I can see my boy. I can see it. Help me. Help my unbelief. And the Lord said, no, no, no. 
You can't get anything like that. Brother Hagin made this statement years ago, and it is a liberating statement. He said, faith will work in your heart with thoughts of doubt in your head. Faith will work in your heart, even with thoughts of doubt in your head. Why? Because you don't believe with your head. This is good news. This is really, really good news. Because the enemy will try to quote the scripture from James. If you waver, let not that man think he'll receive anything from the Lord. And so he'll bring a thought of doubt to your mind. And he knows it's there. And then he says, look, you're wavering. So you won't get anything. No. Just because he brought a thought to your mind, your head, doesn't mean you've turned loose of the image that God gave you in your spirit. It's a choice. It's a decision. Come on, can you see this? And you can reach up and slap that thing down and say, I cast that image down. That's not what I believe. You are not wavering in your heart. You're not giving up the vision that he gave you. And when this man said, I believe, why would he blurt that out? Because when Jesus looked at him, he didn't make excuses. He didn't say, think about it. They've just experienced basically a failure in ministry. And in desperation, he says, if you can do anything, of course they couldn't, but if you can do anything, please help us. Have mercy on us. Compassion on us. Jesus looked at him and said, come on, can you see, looking in the face of Jesus, looking in the face of the master, he said, if you can believe, anything's possible. All things are possible with you right here, right now. When he said it, it went right into him and he could see his boy being free. He could see it. Now this happens all the time. But did you understand what happens immediately after that? The enemy comes to steal the word. That's why Jesus had to tell that man Concerning his daughter. When they told him she's dead. He said. If I'm going to paraphrase. Basically he said. No. Right, right here. Right here. Right here. Fear not. Only believe. What does that mean? The enemy is trying to push out. His, his picture of victory. And health in life. And a picture of his daughter. Laying cold and dead. Back at the house. What's Jesus saying? You can't give up our picture now. You can't, you can't do it. Do not give up what you got. And I know the man didn't because he bit his lip. He wouldn't say anything. They kept on trucking it to the house and they saw their miracle. And this man, when Jesus said that to him, his thoughts and the light in Jesus' words came right into him. And when the Lord told him, if you can believe, all things are possible to you, man. Flash, he saw it. This can happen. Somebody say, This can happen. This can happen. If you can see it, it just became possible. Woohoo! To you. Can you see this? If you can see it happening, if you can see it coming to pass, isn't that what Jesus said? If you believe. 
all things are possible, not to everybody, but to those that believe. And the man immediately said, I do believe. I see it. Who? Help my unbelief. Got some thoughts here. Well, the enemy immediately tries to come. What do you mean? You just saw them pray and, and rebuke and bind. You just saw all that. And he's been this way all these years. And you got to say, shut up. Shut up. I rebuke you. I resist you. I grab that. I cast it down. And within minutes, his boy was free. Lived a normal life. Somebody say, glory to God. 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 Hallelujah. What was the other verse? There was a, we weren't finished. Mark 11. Thank you very much. Mark 11. How does the mountain move? Not just by speaking to it. You hear people say, well, I, I said it, I said it, I said it. I made confessions, I made confessions. That doesn't mean you did this. The Lord didn't say everything you say would come to pass. He did not say that. That should be obvious. Right? <laughs> and it's really a good thing because a lot of people say some nutty stuff, man. I mean, we don't want everything that everybody says coming to pass. Jesus said, and we got, we got to back up a little bit. This is because he spoke to that tree and it withered up from the roots. With what we've been talking about, what do we know happened with other scriptures? We know he wouldn't have said anything to the tree if he hadn't heard the Father say it. He said, I only say what I hear the Father say. I only do what I see him do. He heard and saw this inside himself. He heard himself talking to the tree. He saw himself talking to the tree. And he saw it drying up and withering away before and as he spoke the words. And it happened. What he saw in here, just a day later, you could see out here. And then the Lord uses this as a teaching opportunity for them and thank God all of us yes, thank you, Lord. He, he takes it up a level because they said Lord that tree you spoke to it and it did just what he said yep and you need to have the faith of God too and you see that mountain over there yeah if you would speak not just to the tree but to the mountain, in fact, Matthew says it that way. If you have faith, you will not only do what's done to the fig tree. So he's saying, you could do what I did. Yes. Is he or not? Yes, sir. That's what Matthew said. He said, if you have faith, you'll not only do that. But if you spoke to the mountain, something a whole lot bigger, and you said, be removed, be cast into the sea. That's important, but it doesn't take a whole lot of effort and time to just say those phrases. But that's not where it ends. Shall not doubt in his heart. 
Not your head, your heart. Your heart. But shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass. Does that mean you're seeing something? Yeah. You've got to have that. You have overcome everything that tried to tell you that can't happen. You have overcome every reasoning, every rationalization, every contradictory symptom and feeling. You see them, but you are not moved by them. You have overcome them, and you do not question nor doubt. Something has become possible. Not to everybody, but to you. What has become possible? What you are about to say has become possible because by the grace of God and the anointed word of God and the associations he's put you around every contradictory thought and self-exalting imagination has been grabbed has been choked has been slammed has been removed and all you see is victory that's all you see That's all you see. All you see is me living a healthy life and with long life him satisfying me. And that's all I see. That's all I see. All you see is everything paid off and giving like you've never given before. That's all I see. That's all I see. I won't entertain any other image. Oh, somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. He said, if you say it, and don't doubt in your heart, but believe what you said will come to pass, then, according to the head of the church, you'll have what you say. Stand on your feet, everybody. Oh, praise God, praise God, praise God. Just close your eyes. Because the Lord's working on vision inside us already tonight. He's doing it. He's working. Lift up your hands and and close your eyes. Say, I receive vision from God. Visions of victory. Visions of deliverance. Visions of healing. Visions of provision. I receive them all into my heart. In Jesus' name. Oh, thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.